0: Good morning. Welcome to another Morning Java brought to you by our friends at the Get Go Cafe and Market where they're always coming out with new stuff. The thing right now, they have uh, these weird, they're awesome like mac and cheese bowls like tater tots. You can customize them. They're incredible. Uh, check those out. My favorite is the zucchini fries. Uh, so go try those if you haven't already. But uh, we're, we're talking hockey. The Penguins have been done for over a month now, but there's still news coming out with uh, the team in the league. Uh, The latest, so Bettman had a press conference uh, over the weekend on Saturday where uh, he addressed a couple league-wide questions, the biggest of which is uh, when is next season going to start? And uh, the answer is they really don't have an answer right now, but he said uh, he wouldn't be surprised or it's a possibility that it could uh, next season might not even start until late December or early January, which uh, a little bit later from the earlier projected date of December 1st.
1: Yes, uh, Bettman said that they haven't abandoned the target date of December 1st, but reading between the lines of what he had to say, it really did sound like the league is preparing for something considerably later than that, Um, late December, possibly well into January, which kind of fits with something I had heard a couple of months ago that you know, the the league, because it is such a gate revenue driven operation, really doesn't want to get started if it can avoid it until it's allowed to have fans back in the building. Uh, you know, a lot of teams really need that money to operate. Uh, so I, I think you'll see, you know, depending on how the pandemic goes, uh, you know, the, the league push things back as, as far as it can or as far as it has to. Uh, before getting next season underway.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's tough with, with like you said, it's very gate-revenue-driven uh, league. So uh, it, it seems like it would be tough to at least get back to full capacity until there's a cure vaccine. And, I mean, we're probably not anywhere close to that. But, I mean, could you see them doing something like um, – a little bit like what the NFL is doing, where maybe just very limited fans in the beginning? I think – it's hard to compare the leagues because one is inside and one is not. And that's a big factor in uh, the spread of coronavirus.
1: Well, uh, Bentman I mean, he made a point of saying this was just kind of talking uh, off the top of his head, which I don't think he does very often. I think most uh, everything that comes out of his mouth is calculated. But he floated the, the possibility of a one scenario uh, being that you start playing games with no fans in attendance, you work to a point where you're able to have some fans in attendance, and ultimately you get back to a point where you're, you know, at normal capacity uh, for crowds. Um, it's pretty clear though that whatever the NHL decides to do is going to be dictated by by coronavirus. Yeah. And What local authorities you know they're dealing with uh, 31 venues here, 31 municipalities. uh, Conceivable that everybody will have uh, different regulations uh, for for what kind of crowd gatherings would be permitted uh, inside or otherwise. So it's uh, it's going going to get quite interesting, I think.
0: Yeah, and the other thing he said is that they are still intent on having a full 82 game season next year, which I think. um, I know they've said that from the beginning, but I know I don't know I figured, and I think we've talked about this before that uh, they'd probably have to scale it back a little. I mean, because if, if they're not starting until uh, early January, I don't know how they cram uh, 82 games, and we've talked before about how you know you can cut out bye weeks the all-star game, um, reduce travel, but I mean it, if they play 82 games, I mean how late? Would they be going into Right, times? and
1: they've talked about it being a priority to get the following season back on a normal schedule. If you don't play games until sometime starting in January and you shoehorn in eighty two regular season games and then have a standard four round best of seven playoff, which Bettman said on or perhaps it was Bill Daly, uh said on Saturday, is the priority you know an 82 game regular season schedule just doesn't work there's there's just no way Um, I mean uh, it's I I don't see how they could do it I mean not only would the quality of your play suffer uh, I think injuries would become a lot more common because there'd be uh, less time for guys to rest and recuperate um I think it's entirely possible that if, if hockey doesn't return t- until January that we see something significantly shorter than a uh, than an eighty two game regular season
0: yeah, you figure either way they're going to have to come up with ways to reduce travel. I know one of the ideas floating around isn't uh, all Canadian divisions, so because I mean crossing the border is a whole separate issue. Uh, So I know one of the ideas is just having all the Canadian teams play each other. But I mean, either way, you figure they'd have to reduce travel um, by playing teams close. closely. The Penguins could be seeing a lot of like the Flyers and the Capitals next season, if that is the case.
1: Yeah, and that wouldn't really reduce travel for the Canadian teams. I mean, it's uh, quite a trip from Montreal to Vancouver. Uh, I mean, if the idea of an all-Canadian division has been floated just because of the complications of trying to get across the border. Uh, you know, right now Canada requires a 14-day quarantine for anybody who crosses the border. Um, that obviously wouldn't work very well for uh, for a National Hockey League schedule. So, yeah, that's uh, you know that uh, border issue is one of many that will have to uh, be clarified before we really know what's coming next season. A lot of questions.
0: All right, so the latest news with the Penguins is that, uh, well, other than Crosby winning an Emmy, his second career Emmy, (laughs) uh, Jared McCann, uh, one of the pending restricted free agents, they re-signed him uh, two years, 2.94 million uh, cap hit. Um, And I know, I think, just discussions we've had before, I think he was one that we weren't 100% sure if they would resign at all, um, just because, I mean, Pretty significant cap hit, and I think we don't really know where he fits next season, Uh, which line, which position, because he played all up and down uh, the lines and center and wing. So, where do you think he fits in?
1: Well, for the moment, uh, I would think he's probably penciled in at third line center, even though he obviously failed miserably uh, in that role during the uh, the series against Montreal. Um, But. You know, an awful lot will change with the Penguins roster, I suspect, uh, you know, between now and the start of the regular season. Uh, You could see him in a uh, in a top six wing role. uh, But right now, there are no openings there. Um, And I think uh, Penguin management likes him better at center than on the wing um, I did too, i must admit uh at least before that montreal series now i uh, i have my doubts about uh him filling that role. you don't like to uh pass judgment on uh someone's potential uh you know on the on the basis of of a one week snapshot from their career but you know he uh, he certainly struggled uh in in that role during that series so yeah, we're, I mean, versatility, I, I guess, is a good thing. It's certainly an asset that the, that, the, that the Penguins value. But for some guys, it might be nice to know that there's one place where you can, you can fit in and, and it's your role and you can concentrate on that and, and get settled in there. Uh, that's a luxury I don't think uh, McCann will have here, at, at least in the, in the short term. Yeah,
0: I mean, he he talked to us uh, over a Zoom call the, the day, uh, you know, he signed his deal. And one of the questions was, uh, would you like to eventually settle in a role and have that, you know, stability? And he said he'll be whatever the team wants him to be. But I mean, like you said, top six wingers probably all filled up. Um, Gensel and probably Kapanen on, on top line, because I mean, Rutherford did say that uh, Kapanen is going to you get a top six role, and then, you know, you figure Malkin's fingers are going to be uh, Zucker and Russ. Um Fourth line, he's not going to go down there. so I mean, third line, we're really talking about the third line. The only guy who's uh, under contract probably also going to play in the third line is Hornquist. So, I mean, that really leaves either center or that, uh, that left wing for McCann. I don't, it, he The third line in general was really bad in that Montreal series. So, like, I wouldn't put it all on McCann. He was a healthy scratch in game three. Um, I don't know. I would have liked to see, like, Marlowe scratch uh, that too. I don't – like, that That line had a whole lot of problems other than just McCann. Uh, so, oh, would, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the line was – was awful throughout the series uh, much of the team was only bad for the last game and a half but but that line set the tone early it uh it started poorly and uh never improved and i mean i agree with Marlowe. um i assume that the fact that he was brought in at the time he was with with the idea of trying having him try to uh give them the benefit of his playoff experience is, is the reason that he kept his spot in the lineup, but he certainly didn't contribute anything either. Um, but you know, the, at least for now, the, the third line center job seems kind of open. I don't know that they are, would be ready to move Teddy Bluger, uh, up to there just yet. I think, uh, that, uh, McCann has a little more of of the offensive upside that they would like to see, even though it seems like he hasn't scored a goal. And
0: I mean, yeah, he had a pretty rough end to the, the regular
1: season game. games, and then the three he played in the playoffs. So that's quite a drought. But it, you know, it's it's not something I expect him to make a habit of. I expect him to uh, chip in a, a goal occasionally, uh, perhaps getting a fresh start in, in training camp will be what he need. And I also don't think we should necessarily assume that he will be here when, when training camp begins, um, you know, uh, signing a guy to a contract can be taken as uh, evidence of, a, of an organizational commitment to him. It also can make the guy more tradable because teams that might be interested in him would have cost certainty. They, they know, Exactly what it would uh how much uh, of their cap space uh McCann will consume uh for for the next two years and uh, you know that uh, that could actually make him a little more attractive on the on the trade market because it that seems like a reasonable cap hit for him if it was something exorbitant, perhaps that would scare off uh, potential suitors, but as it is. I suspect that Jim Rutherford will at least receive some, some inquir- inquiries about him, um, how receptive to those he'll be. Uh, I think it's hard to say at this point. Yeah,
0: I, I, I think it would just be such a bad look to sign him to that contract, just to move him. I mean, it is a business, but I, I don't know. I think it would be a bad look. Back to the lines. I mean, you mentioned Teddy Bluger. I, I mean, Aston Reese, Bluger, Tanev. A lock for the fourth line when they're all healthy, but I mean, Aston Reese is out until February, um, so at least to start the season. I know, like, I mean, when Aston Reese was out during, uh, you know, last this past season, um, that line wasn't that great without him. Uh, so I, I, I wouldn't be against breaking up, you know, the Blueguy Tanif combination just because those two on their own they haven't been that great on their mm-hmm. own without that third. Aston Reese piece to, uh, to bring what he brings. So, I mean, well, they'll, they'll probably try a bunch of different combinations in camp, but I mean, I wouldn't count Bluger out either. I, I'm i more partial to on the wing. I just don't know if he's as good defensively um, as maybe a center should mm-hmm. be. But uh, we'll be talking about this for the next couple months months.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, I don't know that we should get too caught up in line combinations just yet because I think there will be people in the mix by the start of training camp who aren't on the payroll right now. I, you know, they really haven't made any major moves outside of bringing in Kapanen so far. And, you know, if they or uh, were, were planning to upgrade the team that, that got embarrassed by Montreal, uh, there's still a long way to go. So I I, I think it will uh, I think it'll be pretty active on the personnel front uh, between now and, and the start of camp.
0: Oh, yeah all right dave we talked about in the last segment how the penguins still have moves to be made that could be uh free agency trades uh what have you they still have a couple of their own guys that need to be re-signed um just looking at cap friendly right here to have all the numbers um cap friendly shows that they have six million in projected cap space now that does include um maniscalco one million the defenseman they just signed out of arizona state probably not going to be on the roster to start you can't plan for that but um the free agents they have to resign after resigning uh mccann and Ricoa, uh the forwards it's uh same Laffery, dominic Simone and anthony angelo they're all restricted free agents and then uh one of, one of the goalies <laughs> and probably figure tristan jari um so that's what they're looking at from from last year's roster you figure None of the unrestricted free agents are going to be back. Uh, Sherry, Schultz, uh, Marley, you can count them out. But So that pretty much gives them $7 million in cap space to fill out the roster and, and re-sign some of these guys. Uh, I mean, can, can they do it? Because <laughs> yeah, you figure they also have to add uh, another defenseman unless you want your third defense pairing to be Jack Johnson and Chad Ruedel, and I don't think anyone wants that. No.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I I think they can do it. Uh, I suspect that they will sign those guys, but again, that doesn't mean that that has to be the roster that they take into training camp. Um, guys are easier to trade in general if if they are under contracts, uh, as opposed to other teams simply acquiring their rights uh, when they're restricted free agents. So. The seven million minus uh, Maniscalco uh seems like it should be enough to get the a goalie and, and those three forwards uh under contract, uh but that doesn't mean they would all be here uh next season i th- I think it would just give uh uh Jim Rutherford a, a little more latitude to uh to make some moves. Uh, because you know, bringing back the uh, the same roster from uh, last season, when you made a point of saying that you wanted to, you know, radically upgrade it while also getting younger, uh, that those things don't seem to mesh very well. So,
0: no, I mean the the three forwards that remain unsigned are young guys, Lafferty, Angelo, and Simone, um, Lafferty and Angelo, they, they are both, um, still exempt from waivers. So even if they do re-sign them, they don't, uh, necessarily have to be on the roster to start and they wouldn't, uh, count against the cap, presumably if their deals are two way and cheap enough. Um, so, I mean, you could still upgrade the forwards that way and then have them as depth that could come up and down the year. Um. And then, I mean, Simone, I know a lot of people, Penguins fans don't want him back, but I think, uh, I don't see how you let him go. I mean, he's he's not going to make that much money. And with the ability to play up and down the lineup, can you replace him for, uh, you you figure maybe he gets like 1 million or so. Can you replace him for that? I think he's one that, he should be on the roster next season.
1: I would be stunned if if they would simply relinquish his rights. Um as you say, he can play up and down the lineup. I don't like him as a first line winger. I I I just I think you need to be more of a a scorer to fill that role no matter how well you do all of the other things. If if you're going to be Sidney Crosby's line mate, you you've got to be able to score more than a couple of times a month but you know he does do so many things well um, that he's he's a valuable piece to to have around you can play him pretty much anywhere uh, and at least plug him in even if it would be necessary in a top six capacity uh, for a few games you know he he's not going to hurt you he might not help you as much offensively as you want but he's not going to hurt you there. Um, I, I think he's a good guy to have around. And, uh, I mean, I, I'm surprised that there's any sort of discussion about them not wanting to keep him.
0: Yeah, I mean, w- with with the flat cap, I mean, you do have to take money into account. That's, I think, what maybe some of the fans don't get. But back to, I mean, the first line, with capping with in there now, and there are more, op- like uh, – Guys who are you know top six swingers their role, I don't think there's going to be that temptation to put him up there because what you're gonna make captain your put put him on your third line or looker I don't know i don't so but then again, if they do have a couple injuries, I think he could step in to to that role and be fine um but then i mean the the goal situation is where most of their money's probably going to go that's that's left. <sighs> you figure Matt Murray's probably on his way out if. If they do resign Tristan Jari, is Casey the Smith your backup?
1: I think so. Um you know, I and I, I think he, the Smith has shown that he's, you know, perfectly capable of being an adequate backup. Uh, I uh I don't know that I'd want to get into a situation where I had to rely on him to play uh fifty-five or sixty games a year. But, you know, in the uh in today's NHL, you, you know, you can't afford to have two number one caliber goalies uh, who, are, uh, who are making that kind of money. It's just, and it's especially with uh, with the stagnant uh, cap ceiling uh, that, that obviously people weren't anticipating, uh, you know, this time a year ago, uh, you know, there, there are going to have to be some some tough calls made and I, I, you know, I think the Penguins are, are very lucky to uh, to have Casey DeSmith under contract at, at a decent number. Uh, you know, this time a year ago, it looked like he, he was penciled in for for the backup job uh, behind Matt Murray, and you know, Tristan Jari just played too well that he forced the Penguins' hand that they they simply could not send him back to to Wilkesbury just because he. He took his game to, uh, to a level that I don't think anybody anticipated him reaching at, at this point in his career. So, you know, long story short, yeah, I think uh, it's pretty clear that Jari is, is going to be their their go-to guy for next season. And I, I don't think they should have any great concerns about, about having Casey DeSmith as the number two.
0: Yeah, he makes uh 1.25 million, so uh 1.25. So I mean, cheap contract. That's pretty good for a backup. Uh, he did have a good year for uh in in Wilkes-Barre. He had a rough start to the year. I don't know if maybe it was tough for him uh, mentally to end up down there after he signed a you know brand new contract, bought a house here. He didn't expect to be going down there. It was a little rough for him, but he he rebounded. He had a really good year. Um, and I, I also think you kind of have to keep him because you can't really afford to lose him to waivers if, uh, you do try to send him down because otherwise your your next, uh, third goalie option would be, Emil alarming and I don't know if, uh, <laughs> you want him playing NHL games mm-hmm. yet. Uh, young guy hasn't been in North America a whole lot, but I mean, uh, it, I think with them, yeah, like we've said, the seven million dollars I have left, I think they're gonna be able to, um. Resign Jari, and you know, have have a goaltender, and resign these forwards that they have left, uh, and hopefully have enough left over to to get a third pairing defenseman, so they don't have to play with Johnson and Ruel.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know that they will have the money to go after a free agent uh, third pairing defenseman uh, if they resign, you know, a goalie and these three forwards uh but there's always the possibility of of opening some cap space with a, with a trade you know before the free agency signing period would would begin october 9th so you know there's a, there's an awful lot of uh balls in the air right now you know and on a, a lot of things dealing with personnel and money uh, around the league i mean the goalie situation is going to be fascinating uh, and, you know this this fall and into early winter possibly i mean with so many goalies who are are unrestricted and and you
0: know to, uh, Dave, go- <laughs> i mean uh lundquist could be on the move i mean there's there's a lot of them
1: yeah and you know guys who are you know look, look to be trade candidates like murray and flurry uh it's uh yeah there will be a A lot of uh, goaltenders uh, working in in different cities, I think, uh, when next season starts, uh, you know, whenever that might be.